What do you know about the drugs that stimulate the autonomic ganglia or that block the autonomic ganglia? Well, after finishing off with a lot of discussions about the cholinergic drugs and various anticholinist raises, I think it's the apt time that we should talk about the drugs that stimulate and the drugs that block the autonomic ganglia. What do you say? Let's get our dices rolling out. Welcome all to this Pharmacology Difficult Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Radhika Vijay, MBBS MD Pharmacology, and this is the audio hub to get the best, simplified basic tips, strategies, methods, and lots of ideas to learn better, understand better, and make your concepts crystal clear. If you really find, and if there's a question hovering in your minds, is pharmacology difficult? Lend me your ears for a while and let in the magic of knowledge. There are a lot of drugs which block the autonomic ganglia and halt the transmission. Now, I'm sure you know that ganglia are of both the types, sympathetic and parasympathetic. So, both acetylcholine and adrenaline, they are the neurotransmitters, yes. But the primary transmitter is acetylcholine. And hence, the drugs modifying the action, the release, function of acetylcholine, they form the mainstay of our talk today. Ganglia 2 possess nicotinic receptors, which cause the rapid depolarization of cells of the ganglia. There are all other different types of receptors too, like muscarinic, M1, M2, then we have dopaminergic, we have adrenergic, we have amino acid receptors, we have peptide receptors, and so many. All cumulatively, they modulate and affect the membrane potential positively or negatively. Now, there are distinct transmitters for catecholamines and amino acids. And I'm sure I'm repeating this, but you know that peptide co-transmitters, they have their origin from cholinergic terminals. So, how can we summarize this concept of ganglia? Well, the ganglia are not mere one transmitter, one cell stop. Rather, it's a multi-system where excitability is flexible. Yes. It can vary, it can be modulated, it can be affected. Got it? Next conversation, to become a real pro in this topic, we need to name the drugs or the agents that stimulate the ganglia. Yeah, I'm talking about the ganglionic stimulants first and foremostly. Nicotinic stimulants, they are selective and they are namely nicotine in low dose. Yes, that's the first one. Second one is lobeline. Then we have capital DMPP, which is expanded as dimethylphenylpiperazinium. The next we have tetramethyl ammonium and lastly varinicoline. Among the muscarinic stimulants, they are non-selective. They are acetylcholine, pilocarpine, carbicol, anticholinist raises and a drug which is named as capital MCN343A. Okay, now I would like to brief about these agents. Firstly, I would like to state that nicotine stimulates 
both sympathetic and parasympathetic ganglia. It acts on both NN and NM receptors. Large doses of nicotine, they lead to persistent depolarization. They block the ganglia. What is the benefit or what is the use or what is the application of this effect? It's of great benefit and the use is found in smoking cessation therapy and also in the therapy to quit tobacco chewing habit. I've already done an episode on smoking cessation, but I would like to talk a few more facts just now. Not in detail, but yes, just briefing out a few lines about nicotine, different dosage forms. Very shortly, just to remind you of what wall we have done already. Nicotine as patches, it doesn't suppress the craving much. It covers the nicotine withdrawal. Because the patches, they don't reproduce the highest blood concentrations of nicotine during smoking. That's the mechanism. That's the reason. Okay. Next point. Nicotine as chewing gum, it has a flexible use, use and throw manner. And third point. Nicotine as spray and inhaler, which have a drug cartridge. That dosage form is also available. Next, I want to talk about lobelin. Lobelin originates from Indian tobacco, lobelia, and to be very frank, it has no role in therapeutics. And with that, we end with lobelin. Next, I want to talk about tetramethyl ammonium, abbreviated as capital TMA. It is B quaternary chemically in structure. It has no access across the blood-brain barrier and it specifically targets capital N receptors and it stimulates them. Now, what's the use? It's a simple pharmacological tool. Yes, nothing more than that. Next, I want to talk about capital DMPP, that is dimethylphenylpeprazidium. It is also quaternary chemically and it also has a specific action but it is more potent than tetramethyl ammonium now you might be wondering how does this tetramethyl ammonium and capital dmpp they are different from nicotine they are actually different because once they are stimulating their actions, they aren't blocked by the blocking agents. Yes, nicotine action can be blocked. But the action of TMA and capital DMPP, it cannot be blocked by the blocking agents. Isn't this an amazing information? Let's move on to our next part of the conversation. Now I want to converse about the ganglionic blocking agents. Ganglionic blocking drugs, they block both the sympathetic and parasympathetic ganglia, I've already told you. They block the transmission of acetylcholine as well as noradrenaline. And you know, this transmission, it suffers completely from preganglionic to the postganglionic end. Now, as a matter of consequence, the primary autonomic tone of an organ is lost. And the secondary tone, it shows evident effects in an organ in such a case. The ganglionic blocking agents, they serve as great rescue in the peptic ulcer hypertension, but they have a lot of hazardous adverse effects. 
and they're used for these conditions. These pathologies like peptic ulcer and hypertension has almost perished nowadays. We have better drugs, we have safer drugs to replace them. Now comes the ceremony of naming these drugs. Among the competitive ganglionic blockers, hexamethonium, pentolinium, they are the quaternary ammonium drugs. Next class, mecamylamine, pempidine, they are amine in nature. Trimethophan, camphor sulfonate, they belong to the class of monosulfonium drugs. Amongst the depolarizing blocking agents, I can enlist anticholinesterases and nicotine, but they are used in large doses, not in small doses. Okay, now let's talk about some notable effects of these blocking agents. Tachycardia, which is adversely heightened as palpitations. Midriasis, adversely heightened as photophobia. Then blockade of sweating, salivation, ejaculation are other adverse effects. So you can quickly comprehend and judge the emptiness of the use of these agents. Well, the little good news is like the agents like trimethophan and mecamalamine, they do get to aid minimally in therapeutics. How? Let me tell you. Let's talk about trimethophan first. Trimethophan finds use to abort the hypertension, especially in emergency states. Now, it's a very short-acting drug. It is used as a hypertensive agent during the episodes and the attacks of aortic dissection. It also helps to control the hypertension in many situations like aortic aneurysm. It helps to control the blood loss. It is decreased during the orthopedic and neurosurgeries. Trimethophan also finds great use in autonomic hyperreflexia. How? It holds the endangered discharge of sympathetic system, which is the outcome of the lot of injuries to the upper spinal cord. As I told you that trimethophan, it blocks the ganglia, it effectively controls the excessive spinal discharge and spinal reflexes. Now, next, trimethophan finds wonderful rescue in acute pulmonary edema, but Unfortunately, its medications and preparations, they are not available in our country. That's a small word about trimethophan mecamalamine. Yes, it's quite useful as monotherapy and also as a combo therapy with the nicotine where it is used to curb the smoking mechanism. How does it do that? It blocks the reward effects and helps you get better abstinence. And that's the last statement with which I end my description of the ganglionic blocking agents. Well, I really do hit out of the park, right? This short conversation will be followed now with a large description, a detailed description of anti-cholinergic drugs. Yes, I've given you a hint of our next topic that I'm going to start off. It's a big topic, it's a large topic, and it's a very important and interesting topic. So, advice to you all is to stay tuned. 
For all the updates and latest episodes of my podcast, do visit www.isfarmacologydifficult.com where you can also sign up for a free monthly e-newsletter of mine. It actually contains a lot of updates about medical sciences, drug information updates and my podcast updates also. You can follow me on different social media handles like Twitter, Insta, Facebook and LinkedIn. They all are with the same name as Pharmacology Difficult. If you're listening for the first time, do subscribe and follow whatever platform you are consuming this episode. Stay tuned. Do rate and review on iTunes Apple Podcast. Stay safe, stay happy, stay enlightened. Thank you.